Blog Talk Radio. Hi everyone, this is Zach Van Norman with Once Upon a Fan coming to you live with our weekly podcast. And of course, I've got my host Amy Hood with me. Amy, how are you doing, darling? I'm fabulous, darling, but I know you have been hit with a plague of cooties. You have a, a little cold going on there? Yes, um, I do have a bit of a cold going on, so my apologies in advance to everybody if uh, I have to suddenly dart away or if I'm not quite as energetic as I normally am. I'm going to try and bring it to the table this time, but it is a horrific cold that I've been struck with. I blame the Wicked Witch, so um, since she, you know, apparently she's coming, so hey, why not? So yeah, um, but hello to everyone. So I have, yeah, um, anyways. Here we go. Okay, not going to cough. All right, so just want to let everybody know, of course, as per usual, that we've got the chat room open um, as normal. I'm also going to say that there might be a little bit of a problem. Uh, If you go onto the Internet at first, sometimes you have to refresh the page in order to to get the chat room to come up. And so, yeah, if you have a problem with that, just make sure you keep refreshing, and it will let you log in there. So, all right, so let me see. I'm going to... It's been a very exciting week in the news, actually, for Once Upon a Time. Um, and the Once Upon a Time universe, we've got a lot that's been going on. So I'm going to kick off our normal news roundup with um, some couple of things here. So the first one is that Season 3, Episode 19, spoiler alert, you've got five seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. And, uh, season 3, Episode 19 is going to be called A Curious Thing, which is a very curious thing. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's that. And I'm hoping for Wonderland crossover action. Amy, I'm sure that you would probably be feeling the same since you're a huge Wonderland fan. I am, too. And I I can't help but notice there's only five episodes of Wonderland left. It, when it comes back, it's got its five episodes, which are the ending of the storyline. And this episode 19 of Once Upon a Time is going to be about three weeks after that. So... I'm kind of hoping that in addition to, I know we have some crossover coming, but I would love to see it continue on into the Once Upon a Time. There's so many little things that I I know didn't get tied up in Once Upon a Time, like with Jefferson's past and all that. So, yeah, I I really hope to see some extra crossover with that episode. Yeah, I'm hoping for the same thing. Um, it is a curious thing, and you know, curiouser, curiouser. So I'm, uh, I'm very excited. Um, can't wait. I can't wait for both shows to come back. Really, um, the fact that we get Wonderland first, I think, is actually kind of, kind of cool. Because yep. hopefully, you know, people will be wanting a little bit of that universe, you know, so much that they'll maybe tune in and they'll catch up on Wonderland or do so. And yeah, we can have a couple of things going on with that. So that would be awesome. Um, we also have a couple of other things going on in the news as far as the Wicked Witch goes, so I'm just going to touch on one thing here. So I want to um, let everybody know that at the end of the news roundup, we're going to be talking about the Wicked Witch, and we want to hear your guys' theories. So if you want to call in, the number is 347-677-1653. Um, we do want to hear from you guys, and we want to know what you think is going to happen with the Wicked Witch. We're going to talk about what we think is going to happen, too, but... We want this to start being a weekly thing where whatever happens on the show, we want to hear from the fans as much as we, you know, as much as we want to talk to each other about it. So um, please give us a call. We'd like to hear what everybody has to think. 
And so, you know, get those things ready. I'll give you guys the cue to come on here in just a couple of minutes because we're going to I'll talk about a few other things in the news first, and then we'll get on to the theory section, all right? All right, cool. So the number again is 347-677-1653, and I will repeat it one more time um, before we get into the theory section so everybody can call in in case you didn't have a chance to write it down right now. All right, so Amy, we've got some, uh, some casting news going on in the world as well. We've got a returning character. I think you've got some details on that for us. Yes, I know that Megan Ori had talked previously about the fact that she was pretty sure we'd see Red again, and we kind of knew she was coming back, and Adam did confirm that we are going to see her, and it seemed like, I don't know how you took his tweet, but he it seemed like we're going to see her in this first episode back, because um, so, he was talking about having Red and your Ruby both back, and the way he made it sound was that we're going to get her in the first episode of the season. But she's definitely back. Don't know if she's already filmed or is filming. Like I said, I don't know if it's, you know, the very first episode back, but that's kind of how it sounded to me. So Megan is still not back on Twitter after we talked about earlier um, in another episode that she has, unfortunately, some trolls under some really hateful tweets. But... We are definitely getting read back, which I'm super excited about. I I can't wait. It's, such, it's getting so nerve-wracking waiting through these last two weeks for both Wonderland and Once Upon a Time to come back. I've seen so much speculation and so much awesome news coming out. I cannot wait. I can't wait either. I love the character of Red and Ruby, and I think Megan Ori is a fantastic actress, so... I'm really excited to see her back on the show, and I'm curious to see, um, you know, how maybe Red Riding Hood will fit into the storyline with Oz. Like, um, she seems like a pretty strong character. And, you know, like Red does carry that little basket around. She's brunette. Like, you know, could hey. Red end up being the Dorothy kind of character. You know, hey, I'm that just saying. Like, they could, you know, they're like... Yeah, I'm just saying, like, they they have certain similarities, they have characteristics, if you will, that, you know, make Red and Dorothy kind of the same character. So, in the same way that they did the crossover between, you know, Red and Snow White, you know, uh, Rose, Red, and Snow White, and uh, Red Riding, or, and what, God, what is, what is that called? Sorry, the cold medicine is going to be red-handed, thank you. Thank you, Brad, <laughs> for catching up to my mouth. Okay, so, um, you know, they already did one crossover with that fairy tale, so I think it would be interesting if they did something with Red, you know, and Dorothy and just, had, you know, maybe had the two of them chilling out, if there is a Dorothy character in this version, that is, because who knows if there's going to be or not. Um, we, we were told that we were going to get some some uh, iconic friends or some classic friends, I think. I can't remember exactly what Eddie said, but that leads me to the next plot, you know, or the next news point here which is that there are a bunch of articles that are out right now that are teasing, you know, the premiere episode of, you know, season 3B, as it's now being nicknamed, um, of Once Upon a Time. So uh, you can go to Sulia.com and check that out, um, you know, the Examiner TV line. Um, there's a bunch of different publications that have some articles out that are teasing a few things. So if you want to, you know, know what's going to happen with some of the characters in the storyline and things like that, then you'd want to check those out. Um, and then... Uh, we've, uh, and then, uh, blah, 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 blah. I'm getting all tongue-tied. Jeez. Okay, so um, there were also <laughs> there are a couple of other things that are out in the news right now. Some pictures were released recently, and I'm going to give everybody a five-second spoiler alert before Amy lets us know the pictures that came out this week for Wonderland. So 
five, four, three, two, one. There you go. You've had your warning. Amy, tell us what pictures came out this week about Wonderland. Okay. Well, we actually were hesitating to talk about this, but these are were not like snuck, spoilery pictures. These are pictures that were actually put out by the official Once Upon a Time in Wonderland by ABC to promo the show. And the shots that we got are of Jafar and uh, warning if you watched Tiny and saw Jack talk about how she was uh, so big and bad because she had slayed the Jabberwocky. Well, clearly she was lying because these new photos from Wonderland are Jafar and the Jabberwocky. And what was kind of surprising about these pictures and got me really excited is the fact that the Jabberwocky we see in these pictures is not in dragon form. She's a woman, and she's actually kind of very Lady Gaga-ish, is what I told Zach it reminded me of. She has blonde hair. You know, you can tell she looks really wicked. And I told Zach that that kind of had me hoping just a little bit. I kind of doubt it, but I would love if some way the Jabberwocky and Maleficent are, have something to do with each other or tied together somehow, because everybody that listens knows how much I love Maleficent. Um, she's been a favorite character of mine, not just in Once Upon a Time, but for a very long time, even before. And both of these characters now, it looks like they're going to be, you know, blonde-headed sorceress women who hopefully, I'm assuming the Jabberwocky can also become a dragon, because that's what the whole Jabberwocky lore is, and I have not seen any dragon pictures from Wonderland. I will say that. I have not seen anything, but if Jabberwocky and Maleficent are both blonde sorceress dragon turning into women, I would love, love for there to be some kind of tie between the two of them. Lori said yes, she looks exactly like Gaga. (laughs) That's what I thought when I saw the photo, but I cannot wait to see the Jabberwocky. And I can't believe it's a woman. Oh, I was so shocked when I saw it. I was like, who is this? And then I read the uh, the captions talking about that being the Jabberwocky. So she looks like she's in a little bit of trouble, and Jafar is going to partner up with her is what it looks like. But the first episode back of Wonderland is called Nothing to Fear. So ABC put out some fantastic promo pictures from that episode and uh, we do have confirmation that a couple of the writers are going to live tweet the episode. One of the producers are going to live tweet the episode with us, too, as well. So very, very excited for March 6th. Yeah, me too. Um, I didn't really look too much at the pictures because I'm not I'm, – I do try to avoid spoilers, even the ones that are, like, on the green screen set just because I don't like to know what's going on. But I did see one of them, and she does look very Lady Gaga-like. Um, I also kind of thought that dress looks kind of like um, Regina's dress. In fact, the same one that the Wicked Witch appears to be wearing. I thought that it looked mm. very similar. So um, mm. I did. I did notice that. I kind of wondered the if there was behind her head. Yeah, you know, maybe it's just a design choice. You know, feathers, I'm sure, are a very popular clothing accessory in the Enchanted Forest because it's not like they have a bunch of polymers running around. Like, they don't have factories pumping out some polyester, you know what I'm saying? So I'm sure the feathers are very popular. And, you know, that's, of course, why they have them because they have, a, you know, a ton of birds. So why not? Okay, cool. Um, 
So then, uh, let me see. Oh, okay, cool. So moving on to the Oz section now. So everybody, if you wanted to call into the podcast and share your theory on the Wicked Witch, um, get that stuff ready because we're going to be getting to that here in just a second. Um, so we have the winner of the Once Upon a Fan Oz um, cover art fan comp- fan- cover art fan art competition. <laughs> I don't really know how to say that. But, yeah, um, so Once Upon a Fan, we were having a contest for everyone to submit you know, original artwork to um, either Facebook or Twitter or to our our, our email. And uh, whoever the winner was, based on the number of likes that it, the picture got on Facebook, then that was going to be the new um, cover art for the Once Upon a Time fans uh, Facebook page as well as Twitter. And so the winner is a Twitter user, and the handle is at frivolous or frivolous whim, um, F R I V O. L-O-U-S-H-W-H-I-M. Yeah. Spelling Twitter handles is interesting sometimes. So, yeah, they're, they're the winner <laughs> of the competition. And we've uh, – the Once Upon a Time fans, our Facebook page has been updated to show that, and so has the podcast page. So we just want to do a congratulations to the winner of the competition because it's good work. It's, it's uh, Regina and the Wicked Witch, you know, basically having a stare down. And uh, it's dark and mysterious, and I think it kind of really, you know, fits the tone of of what's coming. So I like it. Yeah, definitely, especially after that newest promo that we got, the one that came out last week while we were actually live podcasting, and Zach and I kind of had a moment live on the air while we were trying to watch this new promo. But um, I think that the winner was beautiful. I got a chance to look at all of the art that was put out and there were so many just really creative awesome ideas and just beautiful pieces but congratulations to for Liswim. she's actually someone who I followed on Twitter for a long time so I had already seen this piece a while back before she ever entered it but it was it's definitely a beautiful piece yeah, I like it a lot. Um, there was another one, too, that I liked that I just want to give an honorable mention to. Um, I'm sure that you saw it, too. It's got, like, the uh, it's got the yellow brick road, and, like, Oz is kind of over a hill in the distance, like, you know, the Emerald City, rather. And then there's an yeah. apple sitting on the yellow brick. Ah, uh, nice yeah, with the witch's hand. Yeah. Yeah, the wicked witch's mm-hmm. hand's there, and it says wicked is coming. I really like that one, too. So I just wanted to, you know, give a an honorable mention to that piece of art, which I'm going to find here in any second, I swear, so that I can There were a couple. I actually saved the photos of several of them to my phone just so I'd have the pictures because I thought they were great. One was a hand-drawn piece, and I don't know if it was done in colored pencil or what, but I thought it was so creative because it had all of these things that half of it was something to do with Oz, and half was sub- what the other half of the object would have something to do with Once Upon a Time. Like there was half of the Tin Man's heart, and it had like the clock, like from the original what Wizard of Oz movie. And the other half of the heart looked like a heart that had been, you know, one from Once Upon a Time. So I thought it was really so many really creative pieces. Yeah, I like a lot of them too. And Cleo Cat is the uh the name of the artist who did the one that we were just talking about with the apple on the uh, on the yellow brick road. So there's a rainbow on it too. It's pretty good. I really like it a lot. 
So yeah, congratulations to the winner, and that also takes us to our next piece of of Oz news, which is that we've got a special coming on television on the premiere day for the new season, well, the new half of the season, and Amy has details for that. Right before, um, and they've done this before, right before uh, we get the premiere of Once Upon a Time, there's actually going to be a televised special um, and it looks to be like kind of a recap to catch everybody up and bleed into the whole Wicked Witch is coming thing. And it's whereas Once Upon a Time airs at 8 p.m. Eastern, this is going to come on at 7 p.m. Eastern. So it'll be right before the premiere. So that Sunday we're actually kind of going to get two hours of Once Upon a Time. So definitely yeah. want to keep an eye out for that. I'm pretty excited about that, too. Um, I really liked when they did uh, when they did Magic is Coming before season two premiered, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. yeah, that kind of recap is kind of the same thing, and I really liked that. Um, I'm kind of hoping for, and you know, I'm interested to see what kind of you know little graphics and little touches that they're going to do to kind of you know show that we're going to Oz along the way. I'm so excited for the second half of the season, really. Um, and I just wanted to, to, well, yeah. So before we get into the theory section. Um, because we got the Wicked Witch's name, which was announced uh, this week, too. Mm-hmm. I just want to talk about, um, you know, while we've been doing the Season 2 rewatch and everything, something kind of occurred to me, um, and we didn't get to really talk about it that much because we didn't actually watch this episode. So, uh, But we watched last week, we did the cricket game, which is kind of related to it. So I was thinking as I was watching that, you know, they did – you know, kind of split season two up in half in a way, if you think about it, because in the first half of the season, Emma and Snow were in the Enchanted Forest, and then in the mm-hmm. second half, they were home. And even though it wasn't an 11-11 split even, and, you know, there were a lot more breaks in between and that kind of a thing, as far as mm-hmm. the storyline goes, it was like a 9-13 split was kind of how <laughs> season two was. And if you look at it that way, it's kind of having this, like, it is kind of a little bit similar to how they're doing season three. It's just not maybe as obvious. But from the storyline point of view, though, if you just watch the story as it is, the first half takes place over the first nine episodes, and then the second half of it takes place over the last, you know, the next thirteen episodes. So, right. Uh, just wanted to point that out. Really, that was something that I couldn't help but notice. Amy, what do you think about that? I think so too. It seems like you know we get sort of a a beginning, a definite beginning half, and then we get to a climax. I mean, it's almost it almost reads or plays out like an actual book or a story. You have so much building action and something major happens, and then you've got this rush of really fast progressing story, and as we speed towards the end of the season, so. Yeah, I definitely think so. Yeah, cool. All right, just want to point that out really quick. And now we come to the point where we want to make sure we have some people call in. Uh, so we're talking about um, the Wicked Witch, and her first name is Zelina, spelled with a Z. So Z-E-L-E-N is Nancy A. So Zelina. And uh, it means a few things. It means green, Um yeah, it means a couple of other things. So um, I'm really interested. Like, I love the fact that her name starts with a Z because of Oz, and, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of related in that way. It's the same letter as the land that she's from. Well, it, maybe if she is from there. Um, so, yeah, I I think it's interesting. Um, I have no idea, really, 
Yeah, there's so many things. I do have a theory on the Wicked Witch, though. I've got a new one. So it's not necessarily related to her name, but I do have a theory. So, yeah, we can get into that now if you want. But, Amy, what do you think about her name, darling? Do you have any theories on that? And, you know, what do you think? Well, I love, like you, I love the fact that they chose a name that starts with V because of the whole Oz thing. Now, what I'm not sure about, I don't know if that's her name as, I mean, I'm assuming that's her name as the witch and not any other uh, persona we're going to see from her life. So if she was somebody else or has another persona. But I love that it starts with Z. It's green, but it's it's not green like in Spanish or something. I actually have to look. You know, it, it does mean green, but it means green and Slavic. So I thought that was kind of clever. Um, I just – I. I don't know. I really like that. And then we also, I think, I'm not sure if we mentioned it last week, but we also also got um, this important man from uh, Emma's past that's going to be in the storyline. His name is going to be Walsh. So he's. we have a name for him. We have a name for the Wicked Witch. Now, I'm not sure if it's pronounced Zelina or Zelena or what it is, but if it is pronounced Zelina, all I'm going to say about that is Zelina rhymes with Regina. So Regina. I see some kind of tie coming up there. <laughs> yeah, I thought the same thing. I was like, really, Zelina Regina? Like, it's almost like Red Rover, Red Rover. Like, <laughs> so, yeah. Exactly. Um, I, couldn't, I couldn't help but notice that. So, yeah, I know that you have a theory about Walsh. We did talk about Walsh last week because I think I said that, that he's going to maybe end up being the married man from Emma's, like, pastor, mm. but I don't know, because some of the came out this week make it seem otherwise, like, I don't know, who knows, but anyways, so, um, I, I have a theory on the Wicked Witch, and I know that you have a theory about who Walsh is, and what he's going to, you know, what his role is going to end up being, so do you want to talk about your theory on that now? You yeah, wait. sure, I mean, it's, after that promo, and I, it, it wasn't something that I had really, I, I, last week when we were live podcasting, I actually didn't even have this theory yet because we, when we were watching the promo live, we, I didn't have sound on it, so I was just watching the pictures. Well, anyway, in that new promo, there's a very quick scene where you see one of the creepy monkey hands take a potion out of the Wicked Witch's hand. So I, I know this is so far out there, and... The, Anybody who remembers all my theories from season one about how I was constantly thinking everybody was going to be the queen of hearts, like I thought Granny was going to be the queen of hearts and then all this other stuff. But anyway, what I think with Walsh is I think that this monkey we saw reaching for that potion, I think it's some kind of like Harry Potter polyjuice potion that it transforms him human and that Zelina has sent him to New York to either – get close to Emma, keep an eye on Emma, keep Emma away, you know, something like that. But I think that he's he just looks really evil in the pictures I've seen of him. So I think he's going to turn out to be a flying monkey. So, And also there actually fear. was <laughs> – it's so I know it's so bizarre and so crazy, but I think he's going to turn no, out I to be it. a flying monkey. And there was actually – and don't send hate mail because, like, Zach and I always say, these are not spoilers. This is just random thoughts and things we come up with in our heads, you know. This is 
definitely, we don't look for spoilers. I have no idea. So if any of our theories turn out to be true, then yay us. But not spoilers. <laughs> this is just theory. But there, I did also, the name Walsh happens to be the last name of an actor who played a flying monkey in the original movie. Don't know if that has any tie-in at all, but that's my Walsh theory is that he's going to end up being well, hey, one of those creepy, ugly flying monkeys. I mean, hey, if they could name Frankenstein's storybook counterpart after the director of the original movie, then I think that it's logical to assume that they would name it after, you know, some random – I mean, it's possible. You've done the research on it, and, you know, your logic is sound. That's logic is sound, Captain Spock. So, yeah, I think it's good. Um, I, I think that – I really – I love your theory. I like it more than mine, actually. So I hope that it turns out to be right because I like that. And I do want to point out one thing about that promo, too. Um, that promo is actually um, – it goes with a scene that we saw from a previous promo. Um, we see the witch holding the potion, and then there's, like, a drop of blood that falls into it. And then, um, and now we've got this one, and we've got the hand reaching for the potion. So I think that the part in this promo with the monkey hand reaching is actually before the other one, and I think, and that's where I think your theory is kind of correct. I think that the drop of blood that goes into the potion that we saw in the first promo is coming from the monkey hand that we saw in the second one. So that's my theory there. Like that's. I, it just, as, as far as the filming goes, it just they go with each other. So, um, are you seeing? Are you looking at the chat room right now? Peter is talking, uh, talking about this ship of Emma and the monkey. It's like I ship Swanky. <laughs> oh my god! Somebody needs to put that on a T-shirt. Emma Swan and the monkey. Swanky. <laughs> He's that so is so cool. Oh my god. Because okay, can't so, you just see um, that playing oh, out and then Emma finds out and she's like, Oh my god, I I was dating a monkey. <laughs> I think that's gonna be fantastic. Um, yeah. I think yeah, I think so. <laughs> that would just that would really because you know, you know what? So all the, like, oh, you know why? Oh, you know what would even be funnier, right? Because it like let's say that like you know the polyjuice potion stops working or whatever, or like you know like the potion like the spell just runs out or something, right? It's like okay. mid. So what if? Or no, you know, so the, yeah, you know, something like that. So that he turns back into a monkey and she sees him at, and right and at this point she's already listened to Hook, right? Hook has already been there and he's been like, Yo, you're a fairy tale character. You need to come home right. and she's just like, You're out of your mind. Right? So then she's you know, she's on the date with the dude and he tur- you know, with Walsh and he turns back into the monkey and that's what gets her to believe what Hook is telling her. Oh, look, we've just He like leans in for a kiss that he's got like monkey <laughs> She opens her eyes. That would exactly. be fantastic. Exactly. I can see it happening. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's Amy's theory, which I love. And now my theory that I want to get into also is that, um, and I mentioned this, I think, before in another episode of the podcast. In season two, in the second episode, We Are Both, um, there's a point when Regina goes to Rumple or, well, to Mr. Gold, to, Ms. to Mr. Rumple Goldskin. Okay, there we go. So, um, so she goes to him to get Cora's book, and he gives it to her, and he says, you know, he warns her that they're really powerful spells and that they can be a shock to the system, and then she says, I don't care if they turn me green. 
So I'm wondering if, like, at some point, the Wicked Witch came up, you know, like, met Korra and, like, maybe was trying to learn from her or something and then took, like, you know, did try to do one of the spells out of the book and it turned her green. Either that Mm -hmm. or, I just want to say this. Okay. So in the pictures of the Evil Queen that we've seen, or of the Evil Queen, of the Wicked Witch, when she's in Regina's castle and she's looking at herself in the mirror... She's got mm-hmm. this really cute emerald-like necklace on. And I was wondering, like, it almost looks just like her skin color, and I wondered if it was, like, some kind of source of her power kind of thing where if she put it on, like, it turned her green, but it may also gave her, like, all this magic, whatever. Right? Like, yeah, kind like of, that was the price kind of, of that magic. Yeah, you know, or something like that. I mean, I'm just, I'm wondering where it came from. And the fact that her name means green, like, maybe that's, like, a chosen name. You know what I'm saying? Kind of, like, maybe that's mm. the name that she came up with, her original name. Like, maybe she picked it because her skin turned green. Or maybe it's the, maybe that's the magic that, that like, turned her green or something. Wouldn't that be interesting? Okay, cool. Anyways, that I could go on for cool. days about that. That would be awesome. So if you want to call in with a theory on the Wicked Witch, then please do so. It's at 347-677-1653. And, um, and yeah, we'd like to hear from you guys. So we're going to get into um, the episode discussion here in just a second now because uh, I want to give some people some time to call in if they want to. And let me see. We don't really have any more news on Oz. Although I do want to say oh, that in the... Um, I was just going to say that we did learn, Eddie mentioned that the slippers that we see may not be ruby, which alludes to the fact oh. that we we might be seeing silver slippers instead, which is what they were in the original book. We talked about that last week, which is fine with me. I will still wear my, my crafty, glittery slippers that I made myself last week for the premiere, but... And he just did say that the slippers we see may not be Ruby. Of course, he could be lying, so you know. <laughs> yeah, and I do, I do remember talking about that, too, because I thought to myself that it may not be possible only because, um, you know, MGM owns the rights to the Ruby slippers, and they, you know, didn't right. do that to get permission to use them. And so mm-hmm. if they're doing it more off the original book, then, you know, they're not going to – they're not going to be able to do them as Ruby. So it is unfortunate. I'm kind of sad about it, but at this point, I'm really not. Um, uh, I'm more, I just want to see, you know, Yellow Brick Road, um, Girl Named Dorothy. Like, you know, there's a couple of other things I would rather see. I mean, the Ruby slippers are iconic, and I'll be sad not to really see them, I guess, but it's whatever. Like, it's not going to affect my enjoyment of it or anything. So, yeah. Okie dokie. Well, I'm not. We definitely want to hear from. Yeah, we definitely want to hear. I know we had several people that mentioned on Twitter that they wanted to call in and talk a little bit about Oz. So if you were one of the people that contacted me on Twitter or that posted, definitely give us a call so we can hear your theories. Because I love. That was one of the things I missed so much about once was hearing everybody's theories as far out there as they are trust me your theories are not near as far out as some of the theories that i've had so if you guys want to call in and talk about oz or any other theories that you have for the rest of the season definitely call in because zach and i want to talk to you guys as much as possible yeah for sure um but we have a very shy audience because not a lot of people 
call in whenever we put the, the word out for callers. So I think that also might be because maybe more people listen to us when, uh, you know, maybe not live, but they listen to us after the after we're done. So there's no opportunity for them right. to call in because we're not on the air. So, yeah, um, let's get into the episode discussion, though, because we've got a trip to take. We've only got about an hour left to do it. So I've got a ton of notes about this episode, so we we should probably get right into this. So let's dive on in. Oh, oh, hold on. We've got somebody calling. Hi, you're on with the Once Upon a Fan podcast. Who's this? Hello, Seth. And it's happened to you on Twitter. Hello, Alyssa. Hi, Amy. How are you? It's happened to you on Twitter last week. Yes, how are you? I'm good. Uh, I'm so glad you called. I know you had mentioned wanting to call, and I was just looking. I was thinking, I wonder if she's going to call in, because I know she wanted to call in and talk. Yes, I did. Yay. Now, what do you think is going to happen? Um, well, Oz and, you know, Wonderland fan, um, I really do think that, that the Wicked Witch might be Rumpel's daughter. Ooh. Hmm. Yes, that is one of my biggest theories going on right now, because, you know, we, we saw, you know, like in earlier seasons that Rumpel was talking to young Cora and the the castle before she was about to get married and they were making the big huge contract that he wanted her firstborn child. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're thinking. And I, I watched that, that episode like this week and I was thinking about it and it does make a lot of sense. So I think I, so too. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and a lot Corey of ripped her own heart out because she was like, in love with Rumpel at the time. Yeah, and, you know, I thought about that. I like that idea because, one, you know, it definitely creates a strong tie. Two, it, I think it, if that is the case, it's going to make the face-off between Regina and her even bigger because now yeah. Rumpel's going to have a stake in it, too. But another thing that kind of supports that is, you know, Rumpel has that, greenish tint to his skin when he's the dark yes. one. So, yeah, I had kind of thought of, was wondering about that, too, and I love that that idea. I think that would be really awesome if if it turns out that he has another child besides Bay. And, oh, my gosh, there's just yeah. so many ways this can go, but I'm so excited for the whole rest of the season. Yeah, I'm pretty excited, too. My mom has been very annoyed with me. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we, we we both love Once Upon a Time, but I'm, like, a little bit more into it than her. Like, I come up with all these theories, and then my mom starts getting very annoyed because I start, like, making too many assumptions about what's going to happen. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's part of the question. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot cool. of fans that say that, you know, I know uh, – Angie has talked about that before, too, wishing that she had people that lived closer to her because, you know, when, when you're such a big fan and you obsess and make theories all the time and do things like this, it's, you know, it's good to have people around you that also feel the same way you do and are a big part of that fandom. Yeah, I, I, I went to school with, with a lot of Once Upon a Time fans, so I, I, I was able to talk about it with them. 
That's good. That's awesome. Oh, let's see. I had always, somebody in the chat room wrote, I had always thought Regina was Rumpel's child. That would have been twisted. Well, that would be an interesting twist, too. If if Regina and Zelina end up being sisters, if there's some sort of twin thing going on. But, yeah, I I can't wait to see how it plays out. This is going to be so great. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm stoked about it. All right, cool. Well, Alyssa, thank you for giving us a call. We appreciate it. And I hate to have to let you go here, but we have to get into the episode discussion because we've got a lot of space to cover here. So thank you very much for calling and sharing your opinion with us, though. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you for calling with your theory. Call us Definitely call us back next week, too, because it will be our weekend getting into the last once-less week we have. Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll talk to you next week, sweetie. See you later. Me too. Bye. Bye. Again to Alyssa for calling in. It's nice to get people when they call in, so that's always really fun. All right, so aim, my darling, my love, let's do this. All right, All right. so Manhattan. It starts in the Enchanted Forest in the past, and we see Rumple. you know, he's arriving home to Mila to announce that he's been called to the front in the Ogre's War. And obviously, you know, the first thing that you notice is that he doesn't have his limp. And this is the first time that we have seen Rumpelstiltskin without his limp when he was not the Dark One. So mm. that, that was the first thing that stood out to me, at least. I don't know about you, Amy. Yeah, he almost, and he does like sort of a little dance. He's all, you know, excited that he's been called to the front. So, it, I mean, it almost seems like it's it's blatantly obvious that he does not have that limp yet so when I first watched this the first time I remember thinking okay well there's obviously this is going to be the episode where we see what happened and how that whole limp came to be and this whole scene they were this to me this is such a dramatic turnaround in this episode because he and Mila seem super super in love in this scene I mean, did you – she didn't seem like she was faking or anything. I mean, it seemed to me like they were really, really in love with each other in this first scene. Um, I don't know about that. Um, I, she's still kind of – well, I'm probably biased because I just don't like her. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, I don't – I don't know, maybe. I mean, yeah, I guess they seem kind of happy. Yeah, sure, okay. Um, but, you know, right away, I just don't like Mila. She's such a witch. She really is. She's just not a nice person. I don't, I don't like her at all. So I have no, I mean, yeah, she's just, because later on in this episode, she, it, you know, she even kind of proves it. Like, she proves my point of why I don't like her. She's just not a nice person. Right. Yeah, I this I liked her in this scene because she teared up and it I mean it genuinely looks to me in the scene like she cares for him and she's I mean she's worried that he's going to go off to battle. To me, she has such a huge turnaround, like a complete 180 in this episode because she starts off to me it seems like you know she really is concerned that he's going off to war and and then all of a sudden you know, after all the events happen and he comes back, she is like a completely different person. And I know it's been, you know, somewhere around nine months later when he comes back in, maybe a few months after that, because Faye looks like he might be a couple months old. But still, I mean, that's kind of a short period of time. And she, 
I don't know. Maybe she suffered some sort of head trauma or she was having, I don't, I don't know, she was having some kind of issues because she is a completely different woman when he comes back. And it just doesn't seem like her personality changed that just because of what happened, you know? Yeah, I have, I have, yeah, sure. Yes, I agree with you on that. She is a very different person, and she shows no emotion when he comes back. None. Okay, I can't get into that yet because we're not there. Okay, cool. So, um, you know, Mina, <laughs> she mentions that Robble, you know, she mentions that Rumpel's father was a coward, which, you know, that was Peter mm-hmm. Pan, now that we know that. So, you know, it's kind of weird when we're watching this and they're talking about his dad to know that they're talking about Peter Pan. Like, it's all just very strange. But I also wanted mm-hmm. to point something out, too, because everybody that if you've been listening to the podcast the last couple of weeks and looking online, I've been, um, I do a series of articles where I look at the color red and what it means on the show, and I've kind of been expanding that out to other colors recently. So um, the R on Rumpel's name on the draft paperwork, like when he gives me the scroll that says he's been called to the front, the R on his name is red. Mm-hmm. I just want to point that out. Like, because ultimately him being called to the front sets off the whole chain of events that leads him, you know, leads him into being the dark one and everything else, right? So it's kind of like right. that's what leads him. That's what leads him to power. This whole thing is what jumps it off, right? Okay. So just wanted to point that out really quick. So then after that, um, we go back to the present, and Emma and Gold and Henry are in Manhattan. They're looking for Gold's son, and you know they don't know who it is yet. But we we basically have kind of figured. You know, we do. We all know. So, um, mm-hmm. well, at least at this point, we kind of all had figured out. It wasn't official yet or anything, but I knew at this point that Neil was, was Bill. I remember when thinking about it to when I watched it the first time. I, had, I already knew at this point. Like, it, was, it was just clear that that was what was coming. So, yeah, right. that, was, that was really. I just want to point out, too, right, that in, this, that in this scene, okay, first of all, the shawl, like, you know, Bill Fire's old, you know, his cloak or whatever, is kind of a gold color. And it matches mm. Mr. Gold, Rumpelstiltskin's face, and straw, right? It matches that whole thing. And then Emma has on a red scarf, which, you know, we all know that red is Emma's color anyway. But really, in that situation, you know, she's, you know, it doesn't, it could mean, it means power, obviously, because she is the one in charge. Because by the end of the episode, you know, she means something to Neil, and he means something to Rumpel. So now, you know, it's like Rumpel's not going to do anything to Emma. Or Henry, and Henry is wearing red too, so it's like, mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, it's just very interesting. You know, so I just wanted to point that out. Um, that was one of the things I, I liked way- about this scene. Yeah, and it stood out to me because of your series of articles that Rumpel is wearing not a stitch of red in these first scenes. He has absolutely no power. He's the one that's totally out of place, out of sorts in a brand new land, no magic, no nothing. And Emma and Henry are the ones who are comfortable. They've been in our world, you know, both of them for years, and they obviously are the ones who are more in control and have the power here. And he's just sort of, you know, he's very trepidatious. Like you can also see it too when he steps out of the cab. they, They zoom in, you see his foot step out and then the cane, and he's kind of looking around, that this is just all new to him.
Okay, cool. Now I'm back. Apparently I was knocking her the whole time. <laughs> yeah, there I am. Okay, so um, what I was saying, though, was that it's so interesting that, um, you know, Rumpel, he's not wearing any red, and he's never seen, you know, him being in Manhattan, like, he's maybe seen a castle before, you know, a couple of times, but he's never seen, like, a skyscraper before, and he's never seen a bunch of them. He's never flown. He's never seen anything like that. The only thing he ever saw in Storybrooke was maybe the clock tower. That's probably the tallest building that they've got in town. So, right. you know, it's not like he, he's not like he is accustomed to seeing the kind of metropolis that, you know, New York actually is. So that's, you know, that has always kind of been interesting to me, and I really like, you know, his kind of reaction to that. And then, you know, after that is when we see that um, Regina and Cora are at Regina's house with Hook. And I remember, after, yeah. like, when I first saw, you know, saw that Regina and Cora were on the same team and that they were really going for it, I was very confused because, I was so sure that Regina and Cora were going to have a big throwdown Jerry Springer style magic battle, and it didn't happen. Like mm. Regina just kind of went back on Cora's team like it was no big thing, and I, I was I remember being very confused by that. And then I was as I was watching this conversation between them, you know, they're talking about magic and everything. Well, first of all, Regina is wearing red, so mm. you know that's important to point out because in that situation, right, like. She's kind of, let's see, how would that really, I didn't actually think about this when I was watching it. How would that really? I remember the first time seeing these that I thought Regina was just playing along, like that she was not actually teaming back up with Cora, and then that's not how it played out. And I remember being like kind of, you know, surprised by that, that because I thought, after everything Cora has done, you know, I really didn't think Regina would, even though it's her mother, you know, I just, I remember thinking that, that there's no way she was actually teaming up with her and that it had to be some sort of, you know, fake out, but that's not the way they played it out. And I was definitely shocked by that because I hated it. Yeah, it's really, (laughs) yeah, yeah, so say we all, yes, um, yeah. <laughs> Mother of the year. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, her and Pam could get together and have a drink, man, I'm telling you. All right. So then after that is when we see that, you know, Emma Gold and Neil or Emma Gold and Neil, geez. Emma Gold and Henry are in Neil's building and they're trying to get in. Right? They're at the front and they're looking at all the names that are on like the buzzer, right? Okay. Isn't it so interesting that the entrance is guarded by gates that look like jail cells? And then Neil mm. pulled like a jailbreak and on the fire escape when the last time that, you know, we saw him, he was like avoiding going to jail and sending Emma to jail. And Emma is sitting yes. there wearing a black and white striped like, you know, like a... Oh, that's inmate, right. Her you know, shirt like was plastic. black and white striped. Mm. Yep. And it's, you know, kind of like, you know, jailmate style, you know, maca, you know, their clothes or whatever. And then it also looks like the bars on a jail cell and Anne, too, okay? She wore a similar style shirt in Tallahassee, and I pointed that out when we were watching that in that episode, too. So, mm-hmm. you know, it just comes right back around to that whole thing. And also, too, it's kind of like, you know, Neil is very, you know, he's obviously very guarded now, so he lives in a secure building, and, you know, 
he's probably feels caged in now what Emma has come to set him free. Like, Oh, right. Oh no. Right. It's the truth shall set you free because the truth is that he's got a child and he's there. So the truth shall set you free and boom, he doesn't live. And after that, he doesn't live in the building with the cages anymore. Isn't that interesting? Okay. Yep. There they are. Just pointing that out. (laughs) So then Emma chases Neil down and they have their, amazing confrontation in the street, which I absolutely adore. Um, yeah. Because Emma freaks out. You know, Emma is freaking out about being played by Neil and Gold. And then, you know, when he finds out that she brought Rumpel to New York, he gets mad and she goes, hey, I am the only one allowed to be angry here. Like, yeah. Jennifer Morrison gave a powerhouse performance in this episode. And this was the first, like, example of that, when she was mad and then emotional. Like, it was such a great scene. That scene in the street, in the alleyway there, I love that scene. Mm, I do, too. I remember, this, I was thinking when I was watching this, that this is probably, that scene and then the bar scene is the reason why this is one of my favorite episodes. Those are probably my two favorite scenes in this entire episode. I love Jennifer Morrison's reactions in this. And this is, I mean, I love Emma, but, I mean, yes, I'm an evil regal, but I also love Emma. This is probably almost the most I've ever loved Emma is in those two scenes because she reacts. I mean, her reaction when she's playing it out, it's, she's conveying so much. Like, she's confused and she's angry and she's hurt. And she's trying to find out, you know, the truth. And there's just so much going on that she gets across just in the few minutes that she's talking with Neil. And I just, I love her so much in this episode. Yeah, it's one of my, it's one of my favorite ones of hers. And I actually asked Jennifer Morrison about this episode um, when I met her at Comic-Con, but I asked her about a different scene. I asked her about the bar. So um, we'll get to that in a second. So, yeah, then we see, you know, so Neil takes Emma to the bar, and then we get to see, you know, you know, hot dog time with Gold and Henry. And, you know, Henry is wearing red, and he's sitting there telling Gold that, you know, when he finds his son, maybe his son will be happy. And that, you know, like basically in that moment when Henry is wearing red, he's like the voice of hope and reason and love, you know what I mean? Like he's the one trying to calm the situation. He's, he's trying yeah. to be the parent to Gold, so he's the one wearing red. Isn't that so interesting? Okay. So then, um, yeah, we got, oh, my God, we got to keep this going. I can't believe how far into the episode it already is. Holy smoke. All right, so then in the bar, um, Emma is, you know, she's so hurt. And you just mentioned it, and this was the scene that I I asked Jennifer Morrison about. And, you know, Jennifer Morrison said that, you know, Neil really um, kind of disarms Emma and brings down her walls and, you know, brings out her her emotional side and, you know, oh, reopens her wounds. That's what she says. So, you know, yeah. I find it really interesting to watch the scene, you know, knowing, you know, that and kind of talk to her about that. And and we get the reveal of, you know, what was in the box in Tallahassee when he when uh, Neil met with August the first time. And mm-hmm. instead of it being Tinkerbell or the drawing of the dagger or the things that you and I had thought that it was, it was mm-hmm. a typewriter with a message that I know you're Bellfire. And I – very disappointed. Me too. Really I'm, I'm, yeah, like I thought, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I like the thought of August with the typewriter because I loved that whole, you know, storyline with him adding his own story to the book back 
you know, in the previous season. But when that's all that was in the box, I really had expected, like, a huge reveal there, you know? Like, when it was open and it was just a thing that said, I know you're, you're Bellfire, I was like, oh, is it sparkle? Is it going really? to <laughs> turn into something? I mean, can a typewriter at least start dancing or something? <laughs> To the Michigan Day Frog. I mean, it's, there's got to be something more. That's hilarious. Synchronistas for life. All right. So, yeah, I mean, I know it makes sense for it to be that way. You know, August is a writer. You know, Pinocchio is a liar. He tells stories. Therefore, that's why he's a writer. Okay, I get all that. But it would have made much more sense for it to have been the drawing of the dagger. That would have, mm. I just feel that that would have, and the only reason why is because it was a plot, it was already come up in the plot. It was something that was established, so it would have brought resolution to that whole thing in a way. So that's, right. that's kind of how I feel about that. Um, so then, yeah, and Emma says, you know, you left me and let me go to prison because Pinocchio told you to. <laughs> I loved you. And, oh, my God, it was so, that part is so heartbreaking. It really is. Cause she obviously it is, loves because him so much. you can, yeah, you can see, like, he literally, I mean, I don't know how many of our listeners have ever been, you know, in a relationship, and not e- not even just a romantic relationship, but, you know, in any kind of a relationship where, you know, you think or maybe you have been just either completely abandoned or, you know, deceived in some way, and it's just, I mean, you really do kind of feel broken and almost like you, you can't, you don't even want to ever let yourself love or hope or feel that way again. And for her, that was this relationship. And you, she definitely gets that across in this scene. You can just see that she's like, well, you know, look, you can't even, I mean, she hardly can barely even convey to him what he did to her. Exactly. Exactly. And it's really, I mean, it shows, I mean, you know, the kind of the, the depth of their relationship is really shown there, like, you know, because he hurt her bad, and it it goes, you know, I mean, it's, the pain has lasted for 10 years, so it's, you know, kind of a big deal. So I just love that scene. I think it's really powerful. And then Neil, you know, Neil and Emma are talking about fate and destiny and no coincidences, right? And he says, maybe we met for a reason. Maybe something good for, came from us being together. And then she does not tell him about Henry. I was really surprised by her choice on that, to be honest. I was, too. I mean, I don't know. I guess, I mean, I think at that point, because she's like, I can't think of anything, because he's trying to tell her maybe it was fate, maybe something good came from this, and that, you know, his father told him that there were no such things as coincidences, and that that's something he always believed. And then, you know, you can see in her face, she thinks, well, something good did come from this, Henry, but that's not what she says to him. She's like, Nope, I can't think of anything. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So, oh, it's that, I mean, yeah, Emma really, okay. So then at that point, right, Emma takes, so then Emma takes off the swan necklace. And when you mm. ask her why she has it, she says, you know, to remind myself never to her again. Okay, that's the last time that we saw that necklace. It has not reappeared since. Okay. Hmm. Just want to point I that really out. I really want to see re- that he's been holding on to it all this time. That's oh, what I, I, you know, That's another told, thing I'm hoping to he, see. Oh yeah, he's totally hanging on to it, and he's going to give it to her when she, you know, gets to the Enchanted Forest 
Alistair, you know, she finds him because he is not going to die. So, you know, he's, you know, he's going to give it to Emma when she finds her way and she figures out who she is and she accepts something major. Like, it has to be some kind of huge personal revelation for Emma's part. Like, that has to mm-hmm. happen, and then she'll get the swan back because then she'll be back to herself, right? Because, you know, she is the swan. And, or it has to be a thing where, you know, she trusts Neil again, or, you know, they fall, you know, they're in love and together again. Something major is going to happen. But I refuse to accept that Neil is going to be the one to die, so that's what I think is going to happen. So then um, we get the flashback of Rumpel preparing for war, and he's guarding the child seer. Okay, so the seer. Let's discuss the seer for just a moment. Um, <laughs> well, besides the fact that she's creepy as all get up, like the face being sewn together, like the eyes and the hands, mm. it's just all creepyville. It's like the mayor of creepyville. So, um, isn't it so interesting that the seer, right? Because really, if you think about it, the entire course of the show really starts from this moment because. I mean, you know, she's, well, even more so than Rumpel getting called to the front, because really it's when he meets the seer that everything goes crazy. So, right. you know, the seer who has all this power, right, to see the future, what color is her hair? She's a redhead. Red. <laughs> yeah, she's it's a redhead, everyone. True. I'm just saying. Okay. Just saying, I, I actually come wrote up an article. Yeah, I wrote an article for the site about, Rumple and could he have escaped this fate? Because this is kind of the point where everything, you know, this is his meeting with her is like the catalyst for everything. And he even says, you know, later on, it would have been nice to know the details. And she says he couldn't have escaped it. Well, that's what I wrote the article about because there are so many other ways it could have gone because we see that he maims himself, but if he hadn't maimed himself, would he have, died on the battlefield and you know I mean was that something that was fated no matter what he did because that's kind of the impression she gives exactly. that it doesn't matter what he get what he does he maims himself he dies on the battlefield he runs off. you know somehow they was going to end up growing up without a father that's kind of the impression that she gives him and she even says towards the end that it would not have mattered if she had told him the details. Yeah, like nothing could have prevented it. So, right. isn't it interesting to think, like, well, if he hadn't done it, then how would it still have happened? Like, you know, those are fun, fun scenarios to kind of come up with. I like to think about that and kind of just wonder, because it creates a whole other storyline for Once Upon a Time, and it's almost like writing a fan fiction. So, it's kind of fun. Uh-huh. And then after that, okay, so then... You know, she she tells him, too, like, the child seer, she tells him he's the son of a coward raised by spinsters, which we later see that later on in season three. So that kind of brought that mm-hmm. And Rumpel says he says he's no, he won't indulge this dark magic. And he has the same gesture that he later uses as the dark one, like the little flourish that he's got. He uses that mm-hmm. when he says he's not going to indulge dark magic. So I just thought that was interesting that, you know, he, he does that like, whatever dark magic. Switch. He does the little little hand gesture, so I think that's pretty nifty. Um, and then after that, we get the scene where Emma is calling her mom to tell her that Neil is Gold's son and also Henry's father, and I love it. Mm. Yeah, that's... Like, she's, she's calling her mom, like, Mom, I'm in a situation here, like, 
Isn't it so cute? It's adorable. She's calling her mother for advice. It's just adorable. Yes. Her snow's like, well, I hate to do the mom thing, but you got to tell her. She's not just, you know, yeah, offering like, up what she wants I, to be she, Yeah, she's like, I know you tell me to have me tell you to lie to him. Like, you know, knowing who your parents are, Emma, you more than anybody should know how important that is. Like, yeah. like yeah, Emma, are you out of your mind? Like, I don't want to get hurt. And Snow's like, well, is this about Henry not getting hurt or you? And, of course, you know it's about her. So it's just like, oh. And she has the moment where, you know, she has to go in and deal with the situation and Ermagerd and, oh, it's just so, it's just so much. And then, you know, we get, you know, Regina, meanwhile, visits an amnesiatic Belle in the hospital and tells her that they spent some time together in the past, which is so twisted because they spent, like, Long, yeah, she was <laughs> her away. Like, yeah, so then she uses magic to unload Belle's purse. And I just got to say that in this scene, I love that Belle's in a yellow hospital dress because, as I mentioned last week, it totally plays into the fact that Belle is Belle and wears a yellow dress in the animated Disney film. So I, I love that little touch, I think it's cute. Does anybody know why? Okay, when Regina magically swoops all Belle's stuff out and she's you know nosing through it in the air. There's a figurine that's floating in the air amongst Belle's things. Does, does, has anybody, like, done a close-up on that? I couldn't tell what it was, even on high-def Blu-ray. I don't know if it's a horse, if it was a unicorn, if it was – it's some sort of a four-legged figure that Belle has in her purse. So I don't know if she's carrying the story maybe, around. Uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's Philippe the horse from the animated movie. Oh, maybe. That's maybe. It. Maybe it's Philippe. You know. Hmm. Philippe. Could be. Yes. I was trying so hard to look I, and see what just, it was. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just such a great name to say, Philippe. You know, it's like, it's like Philippe. Like, take the leap, Philippe. Okay. Anyways, I'm done being a dork on that. <laughs> All right. So, um, then after that, right, we see Regina, Cora, and Hook. They're in the library, and they're searching for the location of Rumpel's dagger. And... <laughs> I was kind of confused by that, too, because I was like, okay, so Regina uses magic just to empty somebody's purse, but she's not going to use it to search through all of, you know, all of the library for everything. I wonder why that is. And then as I was wondering that question, a little voice leaned in and whispered budgetary reasons and moved on. So I was <laughs> like, oh, well, there's reasons. the answer. Right there. Maybe the answer Regina right there. is That's a big why. fan. She's a big fan of the Dewey Decimal System. Well, yeah, no, and she's, a, she's very cost-efficient. As the mayor, she has learned how to manage finances and be economical, so she was being economical with the show's budget as well, and she decided that she wasn't going to, you know, have this big sweeping scene where magic sweeps through everything and all the books come alive and do a little dance like in The Sword and the Stone and, you know, shrink down to the size of the box and, you know, whatever. It's fine. Okay, so, God, I'm, yeah, I'm such a guy. Okay. <laughs> So then, um, pockety, 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 so then, Yes, exactly. So then we get the fantastic... Oh, I love that you did that. You know the reference. <laughs> of course you do. So then we get the scene that I love the most, which is where, you know, Snow and Charming are talking, and Snow tells Charming that Gold is Henry's grandfather, and they're talking about the family tree, right? And mm-hmm. so, and so, and so uh, Charming says, so his step-grandmother is Regina, the evil queen. And Snow Eye says, actually, his step-great-grandmother... And she's also his adoptive mother. And then he says, it's a good thing we don't have Thanksgiving in our land, because that dinner would suck. Okay. Yes. That is, 
I that will forever be one of my favorite jokes on the show. I think. I just because I I, how many times have money we to see that laughed dinner. about the family tree? <laughs> yeah, you and I, just us, we have laughed about the family tree. So is the rest of the staff. Like it's just so complicated. It's like the perfect thing. Everybody is related to everybody. That's just the way it is. My favorite line, actually, from that scene, I do love the Thanksgiving with Chuck line, but I love when Snow's explaining to him, and she's like, he's like, so Grumple's his grandfather, and she's like, right. And he goes, but I'm his grandfather, and Snow's like, yeah, well, you can have more than one. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, isn't that's yeah? It's just a great scene. It's just hilarious. And um, I also, I mean, when I was at Comic Con, I got to ask Josh Dallas about this too. It was like my last question for him. I asked him if we were going to see a, a charming family Thanksgiving in season three, and uh, he said he wasn't sure at that point, obviously. But I do want to see that at one point. Like, I don't care if it's a future season or whatever. I mean, obviously, it'll have to be. But I do want to see a charming family Thanksgiving. Show I do up. too. I think that would be. I would pay. I would pay big, big money to see that. <laughs> so if Adam and Eddie, if uh, you know, if you're listening, if we could, even if it's like a five-minute scene, a five-second scene, I don't care. I would pay cash money right now to see the the charming slash Rumpelstiltskin slash Evil Queen slash everybody else Thanksgiving. God, it would just be the most the twisted awkward thing ever. Okay. <laughs> thing ever. So. Uh, so then, um, so then we get to scene, you know, so Emma, or at this point, you know, Emma has come back and told Gold that his son got away. So then he takes charge and he leads them upstairs and they're going to break into Neil's apartment. I just want to point out really quick that the hallways of the building are green and they mm. totally match the hallway, the outside of the hotel in Tallahassee, the same. Um, and they also kind of look like the jungles of Neverland. And Emma mentioned Neverland in the very hotel that was green in the episode Tallahassee that we watched a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago. So there's a moment for you, too, that you know, everything, everything relates to something else right now. That's why we've chosen all these episodes, because they're all interrelated in some way. So then after that, we get the part where Rumpel is called into battle, and we have the totally gut-wrenching scene where Rumpel hobbles himself. Oh, uh, yeah. That seems oh, my God. I remember Robert Carlisle. Oh, my God. Time. Oh, yeah. When I was watching it the first time, I remember having my hands over my mouth, and I was saying to myself, like, no, no, he's not really going to do this. He's really not going to, like, be in misery right now with, like, Kathy Bates. Like, we're really not going there. And then he did. Like, he hobbled himself. And it was just I – mean, I remember when that when – that, his sledgehammer falls. Oh my God! It's so horrible. It's just oh, it makes my ankles hurt even thinking about it. Do you know that I didn't notice the first time I watched it, but in the rewatch today was the first time I noticed that when it shows his leg after that, it never zooms in, but his foot is completely sideways after that. Like he's got it splinted and everything, but it's not pointing forward. His foot is like totally sideways. I that just. He the way Uh-oh. Robert Carlyle like screams when he falls. Ugh, that that oh, scene was God. like hard to watch. It was so good. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. it was really one of. I mean, it was so powerful. It really was. I was just, ugh, I can't take it. I just, it's too much. It's too much. I can't imagine having that happen. Like, 
having to do that. It's just, it's like Saw. It's like the movie Saw. It's just like, oh, my God, I can't, I can't do it. Like, you're having to do something like that to yourself to escape whatever confines you're in. Oh, my God, that's just horrible. Anyway, totally kudos to, you know, Adam and Eddie for writing that scene and to Robert Carlyle for his performance. Because it was just amazing. It was incredible. And also, too, you know, it's really sad. It's like the tragedy of it is so, like, crazy. Because he hauled himself to be with his son, and then he lost his son. But then he kept his limp while he was Mr. Gold, and he didn't have to have the limp. Like, he could have made mm-hmm. it so that he wasn't limping. Like, even after he had magic back, he still didn't, like, cure himself. So, I mean, not until he went to Neverland and was actually, like, you know, kind of forgiving himself in a way did he get rid of the limp. I, I find that very interesting. I love that about that scene. Mm-hmm. Me too. It was. So then we. I don't know. I just that whole thing. I mean, he's so desperate to not abandon his son, and of course now after seeing the Neverland arc, we know why he. It's, it's not just cowardice. He really is, after what happened to him, after his father, you know, we, who we now know is Peter Pan, and totally abandoned him, after what happened to him, he's adamant that his son not be abandoned, that he is not going to be his father. And he, I mean, we see now that this whole turn of events didn't necessarily come from cowardice. It came from this history he has with his own father, which... Watching it, rewatching it, I think kind of made this episode even more, you know, kind of heartbreaking. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So then after that, because we got to keep this moving right along because we only got 20 minutes left and we're like maybe halfway through. All right, so then we're inside Neil's apartment. And Emma finds the dream catcher, which relates mm. not only to Tallahassee, but also to the cricket game which we watched, those are the two episodes we watched the last two weeks. Um, and then Emma and Gold have their confrontation, which is amazing. Um, the part where where um, Gold is like, do not push me, and Emma's like, don't push me. And he goes, we had a deal, a deal. And he like freaks out, and he's like, no one, no one breaks deals with me. Oh, my God. It's so yeah. good. It's he was so like good. Rumpel Rumpel in that scene and not like Gold Rumpel started to lose his mind. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of the scene where he's in the the dungeon cell and Snow White and Charming are walking away and he's, they've promised him Emma's name. And he's like, wait, we had a deal. You can't break a deal with me. That mirrored that scene to me so much, like his face and just his lines in that scene. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know what the crazy thing about this thing is, too, right? Is that after that is when Neil, like, bursts in the apartment, right? Is after he says, no one breaks deals with me. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is that when Neil comes in, like, he, like, Rumpel, like, that's the person that Rumpel broke a deal with. So it's like, it's like a mirror, but like a twisted reverse funhouse mirror version of, like, isn't that just so interesting that he says no one breaks a deal with me and then in comes the person that he broke a deal with, which is why he says no one breaks a deal with him? Like, it's all so related. Full circle. God, I love it so much. And then he has that great reaction where he physically falls against the wall. Like, Robert Carla actually falls against the wall. Yes. Absolutely amazing. It's, it's, oh my God, it's such a good scene. Mm. 
And it's so, it's like a subtle thing because then the camera's not even focusing on him, but we see, you know, that he, he sees his son and he's literally like, you know, falls backwards. He's just in that moment completely like smacked in the face with it. He steps back and he's, you know, out of the heat of the moment he was just in and now he's, he sees his son and he's still so desperate. I mean, he's willing to, as we'll see in a second, he's willing to do and try anything, even things he knows are going to be horrible just to have his son in his life again. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just such a good scene. I asked Robert Carlyle about this one at, um, at Comic-Con too, or at least I just mentioned it to him and told him that, you know, Manhattan was a great episode. And, you know, he, he, he's just such a nice man. Anyway, so then we get the scene where it's a flashback where Rumpel is getting home to Mila after he hobbled himself. I just want to point out, too, that Mila is wearing the same style of dress that Belle wears in Skin Deep. Like, she's got a very similar dress, so I'm just saying. Yes. And Blue with so the brown Mila, eyes. Yeah, and I'm just going to put out, you know, a, a, a language alert here. Um, Mila is her usual bitchy self, and... Um, <laughs> You know, look, looks down her, her cruel witchy nose at Rumpel, and she brings up his dad, you know, and calls him a coward, and Rumpel says that he's not going to abandon his son dad the same fate that he did as a kid. And then, you know, she tells him that he could have fought, that he could have died, and then he says, you don't really mean that, and she walks away. This woman is wretched. She's yes. wretched. Like, yeah, like your, husband, your husband has been gone for a year. Your husband has been gone for a year, and he comes in and he tells you that his seer, like, knew stuff and told him to leave. And instead of being like, oh, baby, I'm so happy to see you. Welcome home. It's been like a year. Instead, she's like, you should have died. She is a wretched woman. She is a cold, heartless woman, and I can't yeah. stand her. And, you know, <laughs> like, I'm This is I'm, what, seriously. I, this scene surprised me because in the beginning she had tears in her eyes when she found out he got drafted and then she, they were talking about having a family and she seemed, you know, she said she loved him so much and he's like, I love you too. And they seemed like they legitimately, you know, loved and cared of each other. Well, you know, 12 months later he's come back, but, you know, she, he even tells her, you know, I, my son, I was told he was going to grow up without a father, and she's just mega bitch. Like, she has had a total 180 turnaround. I don't know. I don't know. I almost think maybe, you know, she had Bay, and at this point, she maybe she's already met Hook, and she's, like, moved on, because she is, I, I hated her in this scene, and I never liked her again after that. I mean, the actress is fabulous, of course, but I was like, she had absolutely no compassion for this man who's supposed to be her husband and the father of her child. Wouldn't it be cool if they could find some way to make it work that, like, the person that Mila heard about, like, Rumpel hobbling himself, you know, like, when she heard about that, wouldn't it be cool if the person mm -hmm. that she heard that from was Hook, and she was kind of, like, ah, interested in him? I would like to see that. Yeah, part. that that was his line, his pickup line. Exactly. So, uh, right. So then, so then you know, uh, Mila the witch leaves Rumpel with the baby, and then there's that great, totally magical scene where the baby grabs Robert Carlyle's nose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like the de it's like 
here walked into the scene and lost girl. Like you can't ask for a better coincidence than that. You just can't. I love that. I have like, it's not a fetish, but I have a thing where I meet people's noses like frequently. So when the first time I was watching that, we were sitting in the living room and I was like, ah, he has his nose. So my husband's like, oh my God. But yeah, I thought that was so, so cute. Yeah, you can't ask for better unscripted action than that. That, that was just amazing. So then we yes. get the scene inside Neil's apartment where, and I clocked it too, it's three minutes. The entire thing is three minutes. Probably some of the most dramatic three minutes of the entire show is when the entire truth about oh. Henry and everything comes out. Mm-hmm. Neil and Emma are trying to play out they don't know each other, and then Neil blows their cover, and Rumpel wants to know how they know each other, and then Henry comes out, and it's that moment where Rumpel looks down, and you even see him, and he's like, ah. And then it all, it all just comes tumbling out. Like, Emma tries to send Henry away. He won't go. Neil is asking him questions, asking her, is he my kid? And he's like, oh, no, yeah. I'm not your son because my dad is a fireman. And then Emma has to admit that she lied. And it's like all of these things are happening. Like, Rumpel is not only there finding out that his kid is there, but that his kid has a kid and that it's the kid he's been with the whole time, and that it's the kid he's supposed to kill, and you know, mm-hmm. as we later find out. Like, and then also, too, from Rumpel's point of view, like, his son is just finding out that he's a father for the first time. So Rumpel was experiencing that, too, and he's probably like, oh, damn, like, my kid just found out that he's had a kid the whole time. Like, and then well, Emma Neil, is sitting there, you know, having... Oh. I was just going to say, and, you know, Neil is also, in finding out he has a son... He is also at the same time finding out that by leaving Emma, even though, you know, he thought that's what was right because of what August told him, but in leaving Emma, he has abandoned not only her, he abandoned his son. He he did, like, the one thing that he hates his own father for without knowing it. You can just see, like... all over his face. Yeah, and like whenever I, I like whenever I watch that scene, I always like wonder what what Neil was thinking, and I wonder mm-hmm. if one of the things he's thinking is like, God, I let I let you go to jail, and you were pregnant with my kid. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because <laughs> that would uh, that's what I always thought that he was thinking was that all this time he had had abandoned not only her, he had abandoned his son. So that's like. You know, three Rumble was abandoned, Faye was abandoned, and now Henry all, you know, had their fathers in one way or another, either abandon them, leave them, you know, they they were essentially left without their fathers. So that's like three in a row and I to me, like that is what I kinda see all over Michael Raymond James' face when he sees that because you can tell he he kind of has this you know, he's excited this is his son, but then he also has this devastated, crushed look like, oh, my God, you know, look, what did I do when I left her? Right. And we haven't exactly. even found out about Tamara yet at this point. Right, yeah. She still, you know, has yet to come, you know, show up. And then the music of this scene, too. Oh, my God, Mark Eichel mm. does it again every time, I tell you. It's just amazing. All right, so let's keep it moving right along because we've only got 10 minutes left. Holy smokes. So poor Hook is saying, you know, like, Hook and Cora and Regina are at the library, right? And they find the map, and then 
Hook is sent flying along the floor by Korra, which, you know, that happens to him again later on and going home when he's battling the shadow. So, unfortunately mm-hmm. for Hook, he eats a lot of floor. Meanwhile, Henry <laughs> and Emma are out on the fire escape, and Henry tells Emma that, you know, by lying to him, she's proven herself to be just like Regina. You know, it says that she used to lie to him all the time, too. And I remember when I first saw that scene, it was just like, oh, like, Emma has yeah. got to feel, like, gut punched. And he's calling her mom in this episode. And normally he calls her Emma and Regina mom. Yeah. That was what stuck out in my head. And then in the next episode, episode too, he calls her, he's back to calling her Emma again, too, which is, you know, sad. Mm -hmm. Sad. So then he tells her that he wants to meet his dad. Between Neil and Rumpel, the talk that finally happens. And Rumpel's hey. talking about there's no greater pain than And Neil's like, try abandonment. And then Rumpel offers hey. to turn back the clock and take memories and make Neil 14 again. And he refuses. And I remember like, when, when Neverland idea. Came Yeah. Like, I remember when Neverland came up and we saw that John and Michael were, like, still alive and they were trying to get to Wendy. I had always hey. assumed that when they got back to Storybrook. That's what Rumpel was going to do. Like, I thought Rumpel would turn John and Michael Darling back into kids and, like, take away let all Let them grow their up with Wendy. Yeah, yeah, let them all grow up together again. You know what I mean? Like, I had always assumed that that mm-hmm. would come up again and never did. I was sad about it. Well, this also wasn't the first time he made that offer. Because, remember, he made that same offer to Snee in another episode. He oh. offers me to make him you to make him young again that he can't make him live forever but he'll turn back the clock and make him young right 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 okay yeah so that really too but then neil turns it back on rumple and he's talking about seeing the image of them over the portal before he falls asleep you know for more nights than you could know is what he says which is the first hint that we have that neil spent time in neverland Mm-hmm. And then Neil also, and I love this touch too, Neil does the rumple flourish. He does the hand gesture when he says that he chose all this crap over him. Yeah. Um, he does that gesture. And I love that on the commentary of the DVD, Robert Carlyle said that Michael Raymond James came up with that in rehearsal and was going to take it out. And then Robert Carlyle told him that he should leave it in because it was perfect. And it is, too. It's absolutely perfect. Yeah. No doubt. I love that part. I thought that was such a, a cool, just small little thing thrown into that scene. And yeah, and then after that is when we see Rumpel visiting the grown-up Seer, who is the redhead, and he's got on a red cloak now. Isn't that interesting? Because now he's wearing mm. some red. And he gives her the Darth Vader chokehold. You know, shout out to Mark Davis, Vader, hey. And she tells him <laughs> about finding Neil. You know, that he's going to find his son, and more importantly, that a curse will be needed to do it, but he won't cast it or break it, and that it has to rip everyone away to the other world. So, okay. Right there, that's when every like, that's when so many pieces fell into place. Like, Rumpel could not be the one to cast the curse, and he couldn't be the one to break it. Like, he just had to let it happen. So the whole right. time, like, the, the curse has, like, that part of the curse has been building for so long. It's just like, Wow. Yeah, because that's the – I wonder if it was, like, right there that started working on all of that. Because, you know, you know, he came up with the curse. He's the one that sort of got Regina into the whole idea of it, got her to cast it, put in the the little 
you know, caveat that Emma would be could break it so that it could be broken and then he could find Neil. Because we're not talking about, you know, his son is gone for, you know, 15, 20 years. There's been 100 or 200 years here that have passed. So he's been searching for his son for a long, long time. This man is desperate to finally, I mean, you could see how that would almost drive someone insane for that long. Yeah. He is a little insane. Like he even says that actually in the in one of the episodes. They're like, "Are you insane?" Like when he's trying to kill Hook, I think Emma's like, "Are you insane?" He's like, "Yes, I am." Like it's just great. <laughs> Not feeling so that Emma bad at all. Are, yeah, right. So then Emma and Neil are talking about Henry and not breaking his heart and not messing Henry up, and Henry and Neil finally meet while, you know, Rumpel is watching him. He remembers the part, you know, where he's obviously remembering back to the part with the fear where, you know, he's, like, he's holding her hands because he's taking her power, right? And they're little, mm-hmm. gorgeously, like, the stuff is hitting him on the side, and, and they've got that weird kind of hazy light going on, like... It was just such an amazing scene. The lighting on that scene is just amazing. And then, you know, the seer is telling him that the future is a puzzle with pieces to be sorted, which relates back to Henry and Gold's conversation from earlier in the episode. You know, telling him that a young boy will lead him to his son, but, you know, beware, for that boy is more than he appears. He's Rumpel's undoing. And then Rumpel replies that he'll just have to kill the boy. And then it goes back to Manhattan, where Emma and Gold are watching Henry and Neil out the window, and Emma walks away, and Rumpel just has this look on his face. And then the well, episode like, ends. Uh-oh, like, I have to kill my grandson. What? Yeah, and so I remember, like, we nobody had any idea what was going to happen. Nobody knew what was what anybody was going to do. Oh, mm-hmm. God, it was just amazing. Yeah. I remember seeing that and thinking, and I still, you know, the whole time I thought that there was no way that it meant Ruffles' death. I always thought that that meant his undoing as far as his the breaking of his curse kind of thing. Like, I never thought literally that he was going to be Rumpel's death, you know? Yeah, I, I remember we debated, you know, what the undoing was mm-hmm. for on time. Yeah, I remember that. And uh, I never thought it was going to be his death, too. I just always assumed that it would be the end of him as Dark One, which... You know, it's apparently exactly what it is. So, you know, hey. Awesome. Yeah. True. So, yeah. That, and then so many more things happen after this. The Queen is Dead happened next. And then, um, you know, the Miller's Daughter was after that, which was the episode where Rose McGowan played young Cora. And we saw the, finally saw the history between Cora and Ruffle, and she died. Yeah. And, so like, Which we're going to get more of like, now. Seven. Yeah. Like, I remember thinking, too, when we were trying to figure out which episodes to watch for the for the hiatus, I really had wanted to watch The Miller's Daughter, but I just, you know, with the list we that we up time. with, we, we just ran out of time, right? Because we only have one more episode of the podcast, which is next week, before Once Upon a Time returns on Sunday night. So just want to make uh. sure that everybody knows and is aware that next week is the last week that the podcast will be on Sundays. After the show comes back, we are moving it back to uh, Tuesdays at the same time, 5 o'clock Pacific, 8 o'clock Eastern. So make sure mm-hmm. that on your schedule calendars because it is going to be changing 
We'll obviously make lots of announcements about it on social media, on Facebook and Twitter, so everybody knows. It's not surprised, but so make sure that everyone starts to know now that next week is the last week, and which actually is kind of a good thing because we only have two weeks left until once upon a time comes back. Yes. Yeah. Um, and we have a double wait, rewatch so, this week. Yeah, it's next week is going to be a special two-hour-long podcast because we are watching a two-parter. We're going to be watching the. Um, what we consider to be the finale of season two. First, we're watching Second Star of the Right, followed by and straight on till morning. So we're going to be watching those two episodes back-to-back and discussing them all. And then we're also going to kind of maybe do a little bit of a recap of uh, the Neverland storyline of season three and what happened there. So we can kind of lead up to, you know, the very next week's episode, which is, you know, the return of once to, to, to their waves. And also the fun thing that's going to happen, too, next week is Next week, we do the podcast on Sunday, and then that Thursday, we get Wonderland. Wonderland! We'll actually have watched watching Wonderland and Once Upon a Time before our next podcast. So uh, Mm. that's going to be very interesting. I think we're going to be back to two. Yeah, this is good. Oh, man, we're going to have to figure out scheduling now. Uh, We do want to hear from you guys, too, whether or not you think an hour and a half uh, episode is long enough, or if you think it should be two hours. So please give us your feedback on that, too. We are looking for that, because we need to know how much we should talk about, because we could go for hours. All right, everybody, that is it for the One Time Podcast. Uh, thank you all very much for listening. We appreciate it. And uh, thank you all for joining us in the chat room. And we will see you next week for the last podcast before One Upon a Time comes back. Good night. Toodles.